coffee lovers. It's 1900. It's Friday night. That means it's time for God Country Coffee. I have a great guest tonight. Uh, before we do that, like I always start my show, I thank God for everything that he's done. Everybody that he's put in my life. So many things are going on right now. We ask you to continue to pray for us. We have some things that are that are on the forefront here that are in the near future uh, that are about to hit. And, and we just ask for guidance and and um, and wisdom when we make those decisions. Um, what a great week it's been. Uh, got to network with a bunch of people. Got a lot of things, a lot of work done in the shop. We're almost done. Did some interviews, and uh, if you'll use the code D1, and I have to put that on Facebook because it, for whatever reason I can't do it from StreamYard, and so let me let me grab it real quick, and I'm just gonna put the why won't this go on there? Um, I'm gonna put the the discount code D dash one. That's the discount code, and if you'll hit that code up, um, you can get 10% on a single purchase. Or you can get up to uh, 20% off on a monthly coffee subscription. And uh, let me pull this up here real quick. I apologize. What's up, Robert? Um, okay. So without further ado, I'm going to bring my guest on, and and uh, we're going to find all about Forging Life. All right? Stand by. What's up, brother? What's going on? Oh, man. Just another beautiful day. <laughs> We had some downpour over here, but now it cleaned up. We had a rainbow. I took a picture of my daughters in the background with they kind of caressing over their heads. So Where every at? moment's a great moment. Right now I'm in Pennsylvania, getting ready to move down to North Carolina. For those that are uh, down there over by Camp Lejeune is where we're going to be moving. Are you a Marine? No, I'm not. Army. That's what I thought, but I thought Camp Lejeune was Marines. <laughs> so we were actually from originally from Virginia Beach, big old okay. Navy town, right? So we're used to all sorts of different things. And cost of living is crazy in Virginia Beach. And realistically, North Carolina, for those that may be retired or retiring, a lot of people move down to Florida, but they're missing out on North Carolina. North Carolina is the same thing about taxes and everything. So um, you have great potential there for those that are uh, retiring or have already retired. So that's one of the reasons why we moved down there. The house, the house that we're getting compared to moving in Virginia Beach would have been completely different. It, it probably would have been twice the amount there. So I get that, man. So uh, introduce yourself. Tell us where you were from, where you're raised, whichever, you know, sometimes they're the same, sometimes they're not. And uh, tell us what led up to you joining the military. <laughs> so my name is Trey Ryder. I am the founder of Forging Life. There's numerous things out there, the podcast, uh, my coaching sessions. I have a membership. It's called uh, Forging Life Intention Setters. It's currently open right now. I'll talk about that later uh, if, if you so want me to. The uh, But the membership's there. And recently, uh, you saw the live that I just talked about is potentially doing a mastermind retreat. So getting into who I am, what I've done uh, growing up, I was a the only son. I have three sisters. My dad and my mom ended up uh, getting a divorce when I think it was like 10 or 11, right around that time frame. So we had definitely a, a mixed family at that time. Just, you know, so much stuff going on in regards to personal life. 
A little bit about me is I was an Eagle Scout. So that was definitely a pushing drive for myself and my father to to really kind of have that time and group together. And that really led me into the, the military. But before that, I don't know how deep you want me to get into my past. I had a little bit of legal issues before I joined the military. And it was kind of one of those stories of go to war, or go to jail. Yeah, that's pretty much what it was. And ended up my a friend of mine, we went to these different recruiters and we ended up jumping into the army as a, a battle buddy system. You know, they had, um, I think that's what it's called a, a buddy, buddy system where you got to go to the same training, go to the same duty station together. So it was kind of bringing a piece of home with us. We both wanted airborne. We ended up being combat engineer and, uh, landed ourselves on Fort Bragg, home of the airborne. So, um, that's kind of just a quick snapshot of my past to the military. And so, what did you do in the military? In the military, it was I was a combat engineer starting out, and shortly after, I got tagged to be the first arms driver. And I'm still in touch with him to this day, and it was recently his birthday. I'd sent him a message just to let him know, you know, hey, I'm still here, I'm watching. And I love his support because he's like, man, Trey, I'm always sitting here watching you and I'm watching you grow. And it's just amazing. And uh, that type of feedback from your, your first sergeant. And I'll tell you, this guy impacted my entire career. Uh, I ended up being his driver. I ended up becoming the armor of all things. Got sent out to Iraq uh, in 2003 with him. And I, I, I always recall, speaking about my first sergeant, as I'm sitting there driving and he wasn't a smoker. But uh, I was at the time and I couldn't sit there and drive and, you know, light a cigarette and everything. He give me that thing. He light the cigarette for me. And, you know, just that's the type of person he was not a smoker, but yet he's still caring for his soldiers, even though it was a bad habit. You know, this guy would literally give you the shirt off his back. And I couldn't be more happy to have been his driver through that process. Uh, when we came back from Iraq. Uh, I ended up jumping over to military police. A lot of people are like, why the heck? That's like complete opposites. And part of the reason was as a combat engineer dealing with mines and explosives, you don't have too many jobs that you can do on the outside. So I was always trying to, you know, forward think of what's going on. How can I do something in case the military didn't work out or I'd just get out? My, my forward thinking was always do 20 years and we'll jump out, have that retirement, that nice nest egg. And I failed, so to speak. I made it to 14. But uh, during that process, like I said, it, it was all about forward thinking of maybe I could fall into the military police. I can take or transfer that information over to the civilian jobs, do something with it, and eventually became an investigator for the military police. Uh, got to see crazy things, a whole different side of the military that you don't really truly comprehend what's going on. Now, I know a lot of the leadership, the first arms, the commanders, um, I know you Navy, but um, so realistically, the, these individuals, they truly shield a lot of the information that's going on other than, hey, so-and-so was a dumbass and got caught with the military police. But when you're military police, a lot of times people will bash us because we're in the same uniform we're in the same fight but here you are you're you're arresting these people you're pulling these people over 
but they don't see all the times that we were sitting there, we were escorting, we were helping, picking people up off the ground because they were too drunk to get back to the barracks and just giving them a ride there. You know, they don't see the responses that we had when uh, there's aggravated assaults with deadly weapons and people had a razor blade cut to their night uh, to the throat. They don't see the people that, you know, in Germany, the trains were real big systems over there. They don't see the people that, you know, were so drunk, fell off the platform and had their leg amputated by the train passing by that we had to respond to. You know, these different things, these different scenarios, uh, suicides that, you know, we all know how big suicide is in the military and having to go and respond to those and deal with those even on the home front. You know, it's a battle on the home front. And then when we're not in battle on the home front, we're in battle at war. So it was definitely a big undertaking. And that really set me up to where I am today. So hopefully that kind of gave you some perspective of what I did uh, throughout my military. Yes, I was a recruiter as well. I left that part out. Um, That was in between the combat engineer and the military police phase. So I did that for a few years and then transitioned over. Man, this thing is, you, you did a lot. I mean, I did one thing. I went, I was an interior communications uh, technician, and that's what I did the whole time. And that was it, nothing else. So you uh, you got to see different aspects of the military, which also, you know, all these experiences, man, they, they just, um, they um, condition you for something later. You know, everything that you go through conditions you for something. And so we'll get into that here in just a minute. So uh, you said you did 14 years, is that correct? Correct. And did you did you med board out? Did you get medically discharged or did you separate? I yeah, I was medically retired in January of 2017. So you got medically retired day one at home after you got your 214 and your papers and everything. Uh, did you wake up the next day and say, all right, I know exactly what I'm going to do? Honestly, because during that time, through that whole process of the medical board um, fiasco that I had, um, I didn't necessarily know what, what, what I was going to do. I was the sole provider for my family at the time. It was my wife and three children. Now we have five. And I, being the sole provider, I, I felt like I had a lot on my shoulders, like I was the per- person they came to. I was a problem solver for the money to make sure the home front was going on. And so I got to drink some of my gallon here. And I had no clue. Uh, Fort Drum is where I was up in northern New York. And they came out with this program. It was called Solar Ready Vets. I was like, huh. Solar was, you know, at the time it, it was starting to grow in the United States. I was like, that's a great skill to have because I didn't see myself jumping into the military or not military being a police officer because of my medical board, my back being all screwed up, my hips screwed up. And I was like, I can't sit there and continually do all that stuff physically. But I went through this training, you know, solar ready vets where I learned all the ins and outs to be able to hook up solar to people's houses and be an installer. But once again, I was like, man, I can't sit there and bend over consistently on people's roofs and you know, it's going to screw me up. So I took that knowledge and I started applying it into sales. So I landed a job prior to getting out with Solar City, 
And while I was with Solar City, they were there in open arms. And the guy, like, truthfully, the, the boss, the person that hired me, my supervisor, I can't tell you how great this guy was. And unfortunately, uh, I guess it was probably two years ago now, um, he ended up taking his life. So it's about a year and a half ago. Uh, very unfortunate. Uh, I won't get into all of that, but it just goes to show you never know exactly what's going on. So it's about a year and a half ago. Uh, very unfortunate. Uh, got some feedback. Sorry. <laughs> I heard myself talking. Uh, <laughs> but I have a problem uh, that is only on YouTube. And so I try to pull it up so we don't miss any comments or questions. And, uh, I forgot to uh, silence it when I did, and it came up. I was like, "Oh, <laughs> sorry." <laughs> you did very well. You just kept going with it, like, "Yeah, it's not me. I'm good." <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I landed this job with Solar City, and I can't speak highly of this guy enough. Uh, took me under his wing, and three months into this this first civilian job, Solar City was bought out by Tesla by Elon Musk, but realistically, the bigger picture was Elon Musk. The people that were running Solar City, it was Elon Musk's cousins. Peter and Lyndon Rive are, are his cousins, and he basically told them to get into that, and eventually he would soak it all in, but not until after he focused on the Tesla cars. So he had a bigger brain picture, which was amazing, but eventually it left me homeless, so to speak. Um, so three, like I said, it was uh, January started by April. I was out of my first civilian job and I could have gone and worked for Tesla, but I would have been stuck in like a showroom. And that's not my deal. Like I loved going out and talking to people at their houses and just hearing their stories and helping them on the home front. But uh, so I said, okay, I'm not going to move into Tesla. It's a whole different ball game there. And I jumped into another company, brought them into Pennsylvania, only to find out I personally didn't feel I could trust the leadership. And in the military, you know how that can be bad in regards to the workmanship and the people you follow or even the customers. The very end, I didn't feel comfortable selling the products if I couldn't trust them. So here I am a month and a half into that company and I had to switch again. Now, mind you, solar sales, it takes approximately 45 days to get your sales commission checks. And that's after it's installed. So it takes about 45 days for people to get their, their stuff installed, or at least in Pennsylvania at the time. And so we're quickly like running through money. Like we don't have anything because of all these switches to different companies. And that supervisor I told you about from Solar City. I followed him to these different companies as well. And by the third company, I was the assistant district manager running, you know, teams and everything, but we were so tapped out financially and we didn't know how we were going to put food on the table for our kids. And I'll never forget the phone call I got from the huge vice president of sales. He said, Trey, what the heck are you doing? Um, he was talking about my sales. And I was more concerned about the team because if I can lift the team up and make sure they have the knowledge and expertise and be able to actually start making those sales, 
then one, I reap the benefits because I get a small portion of it, but two, I'll have a functioning team. And then I can focus on, you know, building my sales up as well. He said, no, you just lead by doing sales. And I didn't feel personally, ethically, that I should just leave the teams that also had their families. So uh, it, it was kind of like a perfect storm. I just said, look, I got to go. And I jumped into a nine to five job to really just harness a lot of the finances. Um, my wife and I, we went into the whole Dave Ramsey plan, uh, went to the Financial Peace University, learned about that and started implementing that to get ourselves back up on our feet. And uh, that led us slowly into where we are today. Man, that's a, that's a, that's a, dude, straight uphill. Um, so besides the financial struggles, man, were there other things that you had to overcome out of the service? I mean, you're injured, so that you probably hit, you obviously had physical, uh, ailments, but you know, did you go through the whole psychological thing where you doubted yourself and, you know, all that? I'm glad again? you asked that because, yes, the, the short answer is yes, and I'll explain it. It comes down to when we go to the doctors, right? We look at them as subject matter or matter experts, right? Hey, you can't do this. You can't do that. Here's your limiting profile holding you back, right? So we're listening to them and taking in the knowledge from these experts, we start creating a reality in our mind. And I'm saying it because now, because yes, moving forward, I got into a bunch of personal development, numerous courses and everything else. And this is how I found out the power of the mindset and truly what it is. Um, this side note before I forget is that's why drugs and everything else are tested against the placebo effect. The placebo effect is still tested to this day. Why? Because it still proves to be better than the medicine, than a lot of the other things that they put us on. But I didn't know that, right? Um, it was getting back into my issues in regards to my mindset is they're saying, you can't do this. Yeah, you can't do that. And slowly I started being a hermit. Meaning I couldn't go out and play with my kids. You know, I couldn't go jump on the trampoline. I couldn't go create life events with them as much, right? Oh, I can't do that. You know, my back is messed up, right? And the more we sit there and say that, the more we start focusing on all these issues that we have, whether it's a foot, your hips, your back, your shoulder, the more you sit there and you have that self-talk, the more that you're going to create that problem, the more you focus on that problem. And it took a lot of personal development, a lot of training, readjusting my mindset, as well as other means. I'm not saying mindset is the whole thing, but it's a huge portion. Um, one of the great things when I got out of the military, or before I got out up in Fort Drum, they were one of the select bases to start doing chiropractic care. And I started seeing that Cairo there. And I'll tell you, it was amazing but I could only see him like once a month because he was so swamped and I was like, man, I got to be able to continue this, but I could afford it. Right. I told you about the whole financial thing. And luckily I don't know if anybody out there is listening to this right now, but the VA can approve 
chiropractic care. I know this because I've done it and I continue to do it. Um, and when I finally got to this chiropractor, he readjusted my hips and my back and basically just, it, it took a, a lot of time because my body was so out of whack that your, your muscles kind of have a memory. It's trying to pull everything back to where it is because that's the normal. And so I had to see him. It was two times a week for the first couple of weeks. And then I went to like once a week and then slowly it, it got bigger and bigger. Um, so I would see him like every two weeks and it made a world of difference for myself. I can't say that would be the same for everybody, but that was a huge help in my process of the pain. So um, hopefully that kind of explained it in the long terms. <laughs> I, yeah. I, you hit on something that I want to elaborate on because I know a lot of veterans listen to our podcast and, you know, the VA is doing some things correctly. Um, yes. I know I've got a friend who they pay for his acupuncture, you know, that gives him a lot of relief when it comes to pain. Um, I just saw something recently where there's like the States that were, where plant medicine is not legal. They're, they're saying, tell your, your healthcare provider, if you are using plant medicine, because they want to know so that when it does catch up, I know here in Texas, they've already passed the medicinal and the VA will write you a script for some kind of, um, I don't know what it is. It's a synthetic. It's a pill um, for pain management. And so, and that's far better. The, the VA had me on Vicodin for like three years straight where they would just drop uh, pills in my mailbox, you know, every couple of three weeks. And, uh, it got to the point where now, like when I had my knee surgery, they were giving me hydrocodone two pills twice a day. Well, that it wasn't cutting it. Like it didn't even cut the edge off the pain, you know? And so my body was at such a high level of tolerance because of all the years of, you know, the stuff that they gave us. But, you know, there's so much out there that, that the VA is trying to do better. And I applaud them for that, you know, and I, I had no idea they paid, they paid for chiropractic care. That's awesome. Yeah. You know? So it, it does have to go, I think Lebanon up here in Pennsylvania, they actually have a chiropractor there now at some of these hospitals. So it is definitely moving forward, which is amazing to see. Um, I can't say each chiropractor is great because I've been to others that weren't as great or didn't listen as much. It was just a quick pay, right? Yeah. But so if you feel like you're not getting the right, right thing, definitely keep that in mind. But one of the things you hit on, I got to talk about, you talked about the pills and when I got out, you know, seeing psychiatry, um, you know, having these pills, thyroid issues to, um, ADHD and, you know, getting all these different medicines, right. Um, everything from Ritalin to the thyroid, the Synthroid and um, I can't even think of the other ones, but what is a medicine, right? It comes down to that is a Band-Aid for our life, right? It's so easy to just pop this pill and bam, everything is great. But we're never dealing with that root cause. And what is a root cause? And a lot of times it's, it's about our outer environment, our inner environment, what we stick in our freaking mouth. And just by... literally changing my, my diet. And I'm not a healthy person, so to speak. Um, but changing my diet, I was able to get my, th- I, 
I slowly weaned myself off. I don't recommend that to everybody, uh, but I slowly weaned myself off. And through this diet and everything else, I got my cholesterol in check. My thyroid numbers were great. And, you know, it just goes to show that just one change, right, is allowing you to get rid of those freaking band-aids because the longer we use those band-aids, mentally the chemicals and everything else our our mind is craving more and that's why eventually you have to step it up to the next grade and then step it up and then eventually you're you're tapped out and you can't get anymore and it, it's because of the chemical balance within our, our mindsets um this is all the different things i've been studying so i'm not saying i'm an expert but it, it's great nope. general so knowledge uh, you're so on point with that because I know like I've been working out with Robert with a, a friend of mine who's a Marine and um, we had the first HAB mission here at the house back in April, maybe March, maybe it was March. And by the end of the day, I couldn't walk. Like I physically could not move from point A to point B in my yard. And Robert was here and I was, and he's trained me before. And I was like, dude, I need you to stretch my back out. I can't. I literally can't sit down and get back up and move. And so we started working and then, and then I was, I was like, this has to stop, man. I need to, you know, I need to get back on track here. And so we started working out and today was our, our uh, last day of our eighth week uh, in a row of, of a training. And, you know, I can't wait till next week to see what happens. And, and I, I joke around all the time cause it's torture. But one thing that Robert has taught me with us working out and he's very, He's very understanding of what I have. I've got a knee surgery. I got a partial knee replacement on one knee. My other knee is down to the bone. It's great. It's bone on bone. And so he, he understands these things and I still have an incredible workout all the time, but what he's made me learn is that if I leave it to my mind, my mindset, my mind will tell me after 10 minutes, you're done. Your body can't handle this. Stop, you know? And I know for a fact that that's not true because he proved it to me. And so I know that my body is capable of so more, but so much goes on right here. If we don't start right here, we're destined to fail, you know? And Absolutely. so, you know, and for me personally, it's my faith that gives me the strength to control what my mind's trying to do, you know? And so, but that's so important, man. I mean, you know, there's a, like you said, there's a lot, they keep putting band-aids on things the VA is infamous for that. Uh, Robert was taking 10 or 12 pills uh, when he almost tried to commit suicide, you know? And so uh, at what point do we stop doing that and start talking, having conversations with people about, you know, where their mindset's at, you know, and, and stuff like that. And I don't know what the answer is to that one, but, you know, I think you're, you're, you've probably used all that to get to where you're at. It is. And the biggest shift in my life, and this kind of it has to deal with the mindset, but prior to really getting out of the military and I was so stressed out, it, maybe some other people can resonate to this, but I find myself not wanting to go home. And it wasn't because of my wife or my kids necessarily. Right. It's all of these different distractions in my mind. What's going to happen when I get out? Am I going to be able to provide for my family? And all these small things, they start making you, so to speak, not want to show up. 
you're, you're constantly trying to come up with solutions. That's the greatest thing about guys. We're always trying to fix the crap, right? Trying to come up with something. And the big thing is, I lost your audio. Can you hear me? Am I back? There we go. Okay. Sorry, there was an Amber Alert that popped up on uh, my stuff here. So uh, apparently state police are looking for a child or something. Um, but with all these different things, I'm, I'm sitting here and so overwhelmed, right? The big thing that the military talks to us about is being resilient, right? Sitting there putting these rocks on our back and continuing to, to move on, right? So all these things, we're constantly putting stuff in our rucksack and we're, we're trucking along. But the thing is, we're never taking the crap out of our rucksack and we're carrying it with us. And slowly, I started not showing up mentally for my family. And I sat there in my truck one day and I was sitting there, I was gripping the steering wheel. And here I am sitting outside, not really wanting to, to walk in the house. Because as soon as I walked in the house, the wife was going to greet me, but then say, here's the children, right? Because she's been dealing with them all day. And I had to understand that she needs me as much as I needed her. But at the same time, if I never stepped in that fatherly role, that husband role, then somebody else would have. And as I sat there and I thought, I said, how is the best version or how would the best father show up in their, in their role? How would the best husband, how would the best father show up? And I sat there and I came up with this mental picture. I said, okay, well, first thing I tried to do is I tried to match what that was in my mind. So as soon as I walked in, left the freaking rucksack with all the rocks that were holding me back, leave it at the freaking door. Because the problems that are from work and from all these outside resources, you don't need to walk through that door with them. Because it, when you get into NLP, neuro linguistic programming, we talk about different trigger points and uh, things like that. But when I'm carrying these beliefs, these negative things of uh, every day, the stressors, right? As soon as I walk through that door and I see my wife, I now attach the problems from the outside to her. And it's not even her fault. It's mine. And somebody out there is doing the same freaking thing right now. And don't they don't know it because of the fact that it's trigger points. It's a small shift. By really just being aware of what you're doing and picturing what does that best you look like, you can then try to get out there and match it. That was a shifting point in my life where I started showing up for my family. I started showing up for my wife. It wasn't perfect. I had a lot to do. I had a lot of growing to do because I wasn't always there. I wasn't always doing that. I was always doing the other thing that was not helping the family. And to create a habit, right? That's why we go to the range on as military people. To go to the range, you know, it takes anywhere from 66 to 365 days to create a new habit. You see it in the gym all the time. If you're still in the military, everybody sets that freaking New Year's resolution to go to the gym and lose weight. 20 days into it, everybody quits and the gym is cleared out. 
they didn't even hit 66 days to create the new habit. And you wonder why you can't get through something. And I want, you know, that there's a whole lot of things that go into it, but um, I had to stick to it. I had to continue showing up and I had to keep reminding myself, right? How do I need to show up? And every day, even right now, I still ask myself, how can I best serve my wife? How can I best serve my kids? I try to match it every day. I still do that. And that's the only way we can get better. That's bringing our awareness into it. So yeah, sorry about just, the long rant, man. But uh, no, no, it's not just the military, though. You know, uh, society, our culture today, you know, tells us to act a certain way. And and unless we like you, like, you you know, you're consciously making a decision, you're setting that intention. I'm going to be here for my wife. I'm going to be here for my kids. You know, but but society doesn't tell you that society says, hey, do whatever makes you feel good, you know, and no, it, you know, life is not meant to be easy. It's not, you know, it's not we're 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 humans and each of us have we're so unique and there's no easy way for us to just, you know, there's no simple McDonald's way of getting everything done. And so it's so important, you know, and it, it all goes back to mindset. You are intentionally setting that, you know, that precedent that you're going to be there for your wife. You're going to be there for your kids. And I, I think we've lost that, man. I think our culture says it's okay not to do that. It's okay not to be that way. It's okay to sit in the corner and, you know, whatever. It, well, I mean, that's the big thing. You look at the divorce rate. It's through the freaking roof because yeah. people would rather just get a divorce and work through the challenges that are set forth in their life. We have become a, a society of quitters. Yeah. And it's a shame. You I, know, I and, tell, this yeah. is something really funny before I forget because you just hit on something. Uh, me and my wife were married 13 years before we had a real marriage. Think about that for a second. 13 years we stayed together, not liking each other, not treating each other very well. 13 years before we finally fell in love with each other, before we finally started living a life that God would have us live, before we started treating each other with respect. And, um, but that's uncommon because what do you do? Like, like you said, it's an automatic, man, I don't like this. I'm out of here. You know, it's like, it's a, it's too easy. It's a, it, we're the cancel culture, man. I, I don't like this marriage. I'm going to cancel it. Yeah. It, the big thing is people are living in their ego, the egoic mind. And it's all about the me or what's in it for me. And people look at a marriage as 50-50. And you're completely freaking wrong. It's not 50-50. you got to get out there and give yourself 100%. Because if you're doing it every single day and you're living from the heart and serving the person that's there for you, reciprocity comes back. But you got to make sure you're serving in the right way. I, I love the book by uh, Gary Chapman, The Five Love Languages. Amazing book. And I was fortunate enough to go through um, a marriage retreat in the military. And they, they talked about the whole thing. I got to experience it. But uh, a year or two ago, I revisited it. And I still think about it to this day. You know, what is my wife's love language? Am I meeting that love language? Her love language, so to speak, is physical touch um as well as um time together um 
for me, it's words of affirmation. I like to hear the fact that, hey, I appreciate what you have done. I appreciate you going to the store. Um, you know, that that's my type of thing is I like those reaffirming words. But if she wasn't doing that, she was giving me gifts to show that I she loved me. That's not my freaking love language, right? So therefore, I'm not even feeling like I'm loved because she's missing the whole point. So there's so much there. But um, I could talk about all sorts of different things in different areas. Um, well, so man, I'll just leave that at that. So. Because you, and I know, I know we're going to move toward here, you know, in just a few minutes, but uh, you know, I've read that book too. And uh, I had to learn too. It's funny though, you know, the older we get, like initially mine was always physical. Like I wanted physical affirmation from my wife and that has changed to, you know, I prefer affirmation. I prefer, Hey, thanks for taking care of this or that. Hers hasn't changed. If I vacuum her car out, once a week or take it and get it washed and detailed. She is 100% completely ecstatic. She'll take that over a dozen roses every day uh, to have her car washed once a week where she don't have to mess with it. And so uh, hers hasn't changed at all, but you know, uh, Joe Palacio. So I'm going to put this. Is, I don't know why his name didn't pop up today, but he put this. Yep. Five love language. It really is incredible. <laughs> you're married and you haven't heard of the five love language. I had a guy from work. I was struggling. Uh, well, I struggled for many years for 13 to be exact. And uh, this guy gave me a book, you know, from work and he's a good guy. He's a really, in fact, if you ever ordered coffee from me, you get the, uh, I give uh, this little thing that says um, one to bless you and one to bless another. And uh, it's two pennies that have a cross notched out in them. And a friend of mine from work, Thomas Myback, he gave me he gave me a thousand or fifteen hundred of those pennies, and he gave me the first card. He says, "Man, you know, throw these in your, in your, um, in your coffee, you know." And so it's been a ministry ever since. Um, so is that why we're on a, a coin shortage? That's why we're on a coin shortage because I'm giving coins with crosses, <laughs> which is illegal, by the way. It's destroying U.S. tender, but hey, whatever. <laughs> And I like what you talked about because you you talked about your wife and it's a very valid point. We have to revisit those love languages because they can shift. Uh, And the other big thing is if you have kids, it's important to visit that with your kids. And you can tell, you can start picking up things because they're going to respond with their love languages. Like my daughter, she's constantly making cards and pictures and giving them to me. What does that tell me? Her love language is his gifts. That's how she, yeah. that lights her up. People will tend to do what love language they match with, not what you match with your partner or what you should be doing for your partner. So you got to think about that too. Like here I am, I'm pouring myself out. Well, that's your love language. That's not your wife's or your husband's or your kids. So um, just little tidbits there that we're talking you have to about. Know that because if you keep trying to give your wife your love language, it's not going to work. You're not going to make her happy. And, uh, and that's something I had to learn. You know, I thought, well, if I just keep giving her stuff, you know, she's going to be happy. And, and I like to get a good gift, you know, and I mean, she blew me out of the water for my 50th birthday and she got me this freaking awesome Ruger. And I was totally not expecting that. I was expecting us to go away for the weekend and I was going to be happy going fishing, you know, and so, but 
Yeah. You know, the, one of the other things too, that I think people miss the mark on when it comes to relationships, so this is probably way off the mark of either one of us, but uh, you know, love is something that you set the intention for. You wake up every day and you tell yourself, I'm going to love my wife today. And, you know, people say, Oh, well, it's a, it, you know, I didn't, I wasn't in love with her. I didn't feel it anymore. It, it's, it's not meant to be some gut reaction. Yeah. If the chemical part all lines up, that's great. That's just icing on the cake. But the fact is you have to wake up again. We're, we're going back to the same thing. Mindset. You have to wake up every day and say, I'm going to love my wife today. I'm going to love my kids today. I'm going to be there for her. I'm going to be there for them, you know, and we've gotten so far away from that, man, you know, and I think military is even worse because of the culture that we're in while we're in, you know, and I think it's absolutely and great points that you brought up. And if we treated our spouses as if it was our honeymoon all over again and trying to serve them at the highest, because the longer your marriage goes on, the more that that falls off. Right. And then eventually the egoic mind kicks back in and it's all about the me, 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 me. And you have to continually refocus and say, no, I need to make it about her because we make or him or whoever. Uh, but when we start making it about them, then they're going to be like, wow, I really appreciate that. And then they're going to start giving things back in return. And the biggest thing is communication. Like if something's not matching up, you know, empathetically say, look, I appreciate you trying to do this. But I prefer like, or, you know, I love it when you do this instead of saying I prefer, or would you do this? And it's like, well, never mind. I'm not going to do that. You know, so all about wordsmithing, the things that we talk about. And uh, yeah, even with our kids, like, oh, wow, I, I love that you did that. I can't wait for you to, to be able to clean this and see how that comes out. Right. Just by doing that, it's like, oh, yeah, he sees, he notices me. And now all of a sudden it's in their mind that they got to go clean that. So it's great, great little uh, double-edged sword there that uh, just by wordsmith and things the right way, it's amazing. Yeah. It's all about, you know, balance. I mean, we have to have balance in our life. We have to have, you know, we have to be resonating at a frequency that, you know, that we're in tune to what our spouse needs, our children need. Uh, and, and we've just gotten so far away from that. You know, we've gotten so far away from, um, you know, trusting and, and me personally, it's, you know, it's my faith. I let it go for so long and I ran. Uh, but once I finally stopped running, you know, all of a sudden when I, you have all this blessing and, and it just all lines up, everything lines up, but, um, let's move a little bit forward to what you're doing right now, because you have a really great, uh, uh, business. I've been looking at your website and stuff like that. And you've been in the groups for a while. I've seen you around, uh, you know, all the, all the tribe stuff that we do together. We're both in a, for those of you listening are not in the tribe. Uh, we are both in a veteran entrepreneur group. That's over 15,000 strong. Um, uh, and there's a lot of networking that goes on in that group. Uh, there's a lot of people that help each other, lift one another up. And so let's talk about what you got going on right now. So part of the personal, well, okay. So what do I have going on right now? Um, just very short. I do coaching. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I, I started out doing coaching with personal development 
And as I started growing myself, I knew people weren't showing up the best way they could in their life. And I knew even from military person people that you know, have so much going on, like I talked about that metaphor of throwing these rocks in a rucksack and continuing the mission and not taking the freaking thing off, right? So I'm, I'm helping people to be able to slowly get those rocks out of their, their rucksack to, you know, I don't know about you, but when I used to do the, the 20 K's or whatever else, taking that freaking rucksack off felt like bliss, right? You know, just, I love the feeling of getting it off my back. And the thing is people forget about doing that in their life. They're carrying all that freaking excess baggage. 90% of our thoughts are negative thoughts brought from the uh, previous days. And I, I walked through, I'm not going to go through that, but um, so I, I started out coaching just to be able to help, um, you know, individuals. And honestly, I didn't know my message enough to attract the right people. So now I'm helping the vet, uh, veteran entrepreneurs as well, but I'm not in that vetpreneur page, like sitting there, Hey, come check me out. No. Um, it's actually more for my podcast. Hey, how can I serve you? Come jump on and tell your story. But uh, veteranpreneurs, I love because I can be able to help them achieve what I've already achieved. You know, I can help them in that married life. And there's six key, uh, key pillars that I often talk about that I help people in to have that well-balanced life. You hear a lot of people say, oh, you can't have a balanced life. Well, you you can, you have to put freaking focus on it. And the six key areas I talk about uh, briefly is in regards to business or career, uh, the home and relationships, the spiritual aspect, the uh, personal development, education, health and fitness, hobbies and recreation. I think that was all of them. I wasn't counting. So I was just kind of going off the top here. But these key areas, when we can truly put focus in them, right, and chart it out and understand where we're at, just by putting the focus in those areas, hey, I need to grow here, I need to sustain this area, then you can start having that well-balanced life. Um, but I don't just talk about the balanced life, I want an enhanced life, right? So then we have to figure out exactly how we can get you to that next level. And so that's what I've been doing in regards to the coaching. And I started finding people, you know, I was attracting people that really wanted the coaching and I'm the type of person, I'm a sucker for them. But you know, I had to stand my ground like, hey, I, I can't afford the coaching. Well, you know, I'm sorry. And that's what led into the po uh, the podcast, the Forging Life podcast is, okay, I can't sit there and give all my time, but I can start this podcast to get journal information out there. I can bring guests in to help them really hone their life. And I'll tell you right now, uh, I've had amazing information responded back to me, people near homelessness that said, Trey, your podcast has helped me to really move forward. I, I don't know if I talked to you about this uh, this one time um, when I interviewed you on my podcast, but I had this guy, I said, hey, um, what was uh, great about your weekend or what was positive about your weekend? You know, trying to keep things light. And the guy said, I, I thought of positive different ways to kill myself. And I was sitting there and I was actually given plasma at the time. And as soon as they pulled the, the needle out of my arm, I jumped up and I gave them a call. This was like six o'clock, six, seven o'clock in the morning. And I, I, thanks to Facebook, how you can hit that little phone button up top. And I talked to this guy for 45 freaking minutes. 
And later on, he said, Trey, I appreciate you. It was like two days later, he said, you probably saved my life. And just by those simple actions of caring for another human being, right? Um, so I started my podcast, just to be able to get that information out there, which led into the next thing, which as you guys can see on the ticker down below, right there, um, forginglife.org uh, forward slash intention setters, that is a membership group. And it's kind of like Netflix for your life to be able to hone in these skills that I was talking to you about. And we do like 30 minute trainings and then we'll do 30 minutes of coaching. So it's group coaching. So sometimes I might be able to talk to you. Sometimes I'm talking to other people, but it's to be able to give them that opportunity. We do that twice a month and uh, that's the membership portion. And as you saw right before I jumped onto this, I just asked about doing a mastermind retreat to the audience, to my audience. And that is something that has been pulling at me to do. And it's to deep dive into those six pillars that I was previously talking about, have people come in and speak on those and create this environment to really have like hot seats to really hone in on problems inside your life or challenges. People don't like problems. So let's call them challenges and how we can overcome it and create this mastermind. And I don't know if anybody, are you part of a mastermind? I don't think so. Okay. I, some, I started getting this and that's why I did the live right before I jumped on here. But people were asking, what is a mastermind retreat? Well, uh, there's a, a great book, Think and Grow Rich, written by Napoleon Hill. And this was in 1937. He's the one that coined the expression mastermind. It's when two minds come together collectively uh, to think about certain challenges, problems, whatever you want to call them, to come up with solutions. So by two people coming together, it's creating a master mind to be able to overcome that stuff. He talked about Henry Ford and Firestone coming together and several other key players. Well, he also talked about um, 1776 when 56 people signed the declaration. That was when he was talking about that was mastermind. These group of people coming together collectively to overcome obstacles in everybody's way that now we have the freedom in our lives to do. So for me, I'm not trying to create the Declaration of Independence um, or create you know, the next Ford or Firestone, but I am trying to enhance everybody's life. And I can do that the best through these masterminds. So you don't see that in the ticker. Um, I just have my feelers out right now if you're interested or you know, would like information. If I have enough people, I'm talking about 10 to 15 people. Um, if, if people wanna come together collectively to do that, then I'll definitely put this on. Uh, so that way the retreat portion, that's gonna be able to create certain memories, uh, have fun times together as a collective group. Uh, the houses I was looking at, it's right there on the beach to be able to hang out um, in the evening. There's, uh, certain people that do like sound bowls that make these vibrating noises to really help calm the body. Uh, you know, I have a lot of different ideas out there. So I'm curious to hear if people are interested, then I'll move forward with that as well. So Joe Palacios is watching Joe. That's like right up your alley, brother. Uh, and he's asking, about, <laughs> have you ever been through any of the pairs seminars for both veteran and active duty service members and their spouses? 
Um, I'm not sure about Paris seminars, but I have done the marriage retreats. Uh, I think we ended up doing like three different retreats. So we had different people at different times coming and giving like lectures and stuff like that. And honestly, like for myself, that is something I thought about doing. I don't know who to talk to. If somebody's watching this and knows how I can link up in the military to do things like this, I would love to do that too. Because as always, you know, my heart is with the military because that's what has really helped grow myself as an individual too. So um, I don't know if that answers his question or not. He said, yes, that's it. Uh, I, I agree with you because, you know, veterans are real finicky about, uh, like, I won't take a handout. I, I just won't do it. I mean, I, it's call it pride, call it whatever you want to call it. But if one of my brothers offers me a hand up, you know, I'll take that hand up because I'm going to turn right back around yes. and reach out and see who else I can grab and lift up. Yes. And so I prefer I that it. much better. You know, yeah, it, I love how you actually said that, you know, uh, in regards to, and I've said that as well, stop getting the handouts, give the hand ups, uh, yeah. because those that are constantly looking for handouts always find their hands empty. Whew. And those that are looking for a hand up will find themselves fulfilled. Yeah. So it's a matter of what you do with it. And yeah. as you said, when you can go and get that hand up, you then have that reciprocity, you're going, you're going back tenfold. That's exactly what I was going to say is once you, once you receive a hand up, you automatically, I mean, it's like reactive. Like you just turn right back around and here, let me, here's my hand. Let me see who I can grab it. Pull somebody else up, you know, well, that's what we're supposed to. That's how we're supposed to treat one another, you know? And I, and we've, and again, you know, today we've gotten so far away from everything is me, 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 me. What can I get? If I step on your neck, how far ahead can I get, you know? And, and that's just where we're at. And, you know, it's sad, but I mean, it's just a fact of life. But, you know, people yeah. like and are making an impact. And and that's what we have to do. We have to continue to, to try to make an impact. Absolutely. And that's what I'm continually trying to do to, to reach out to people in some form or fashion. That's why I've created these different things out there. Like I said, it, it started out with the coaching because I had to feed the family, right? But now my coaching prices are getting up there because of um, filling up my calendar, right? So when I don't have enough calendar space, it has to get more because I, I need action takers. But why is it going to be more? One, to feed my freaking family. And two, I can give back like no other, right? Yeah. So it's not just about myself and feed myself. It's about then I can turn around and give back to Project Die Hard or you know, Gary Sinise. I love what he does. And oh, yeah. I saw him in Germany. I can't remember what year it was, but he's out there. If you don't know who uh, Gary Sinise is, he was uh, Lieutenant Dan in Forrest Gump. And he <laughs> has always been traveling the world to see the military personnel deployed or not. He's always given back some way or another. And I can't believe the impact he's had on veterans. And if I can just do something like that, I, I would be like the utmost happy. But in order to do so, I have to be able to, to make sure I'm taken care of and then give back as well. So I'm not out there making millions yet, 
um, but I'm on my way. So, <laughs> and uh, I, I love the aspect of being able to give back too, and going into that mastermind. Um, you know, it's funny because people always like I, I, I lately my thing here lately has been I'm I want to be as big as Black Rifle inside of five years. And so I had somebody, you know, call me on the phone and tell me, hey, man, you know, when you say that, it sounds like like you just like you're out for the money. And I go, no, man. But how much mission am I going to do if I'm making one hundred dollars over all my expenses for the month? How much and I have one hundred dollars left over to play with? How much impact? How much mission am I going to do with one hundred bucks? Well, what if I have ten thousand dollars left every month? Now I can start doing a few things because I have the resources to do it. And I, and I don't worship money. I worship God. Money is not my God. But I, I'm, I also know that in this world today, if I want to help the people that, I, that, I'm, that we're trying to help in Honduras, the best way to do is to pay for their daily wage or to pay for, you know, something that they need. They need block or they need concrete. You know, that costs money. And so, you know, you absolutely have to make enough money to not just take care of the light bill and the food bill for your family, but you have to have money left over to do stuff with. And, and I think people miss that all the time. The greatest book, and I love your mission. I truly do. Hearing your story on my podcast, um, I loved it. And just the impact that you're doing and understanding where you're coming from and why is just amazing. And as you were sitting there talking about, I'm sitting here thinking of Grant Cardone. Don't know if you've heard of him, but he's got the 10X rule. Love the book. And he talks about this. He said, you know, if you need $1,000 and you shoot for $1,000 and you fall short, that's detrimental to you, right? You're only going to put forth enough effort to make $1,000. But what if you 10X it? You say you need $10,000 and you put the effort in to try and make $10,000, but you fall short. I guarantee you'll still have more than the thousand dollars that you need to pay your bills because you're putting forth the effort. And that's his whole 10 X rule of getting out there and trying to enhance what you do every single day to make the most of it. So another great book. So, yeah, absolutely. That was a, that was a great, uh, somebody, one of the veterans told me read this book. And then I had a lady that was on the show. She's an army veteran, Magda Khalifa. She's a, a army combat veteran. Uh, and she's in Florida and she has been to Grant Cardone's like she's a 10 X or she's you see her all the time on these yachts with Grant and his wife. And and I mean, she's like all in and she launched her perfume uh, company and she launched a book and she launched all this stuff. And so she's literally 10 Xing it. And um, that's a great read, um, you know, as is if you haven't read The Humble Alpha yet, you know, from uh, Stephen Lane. That's a really great book. They just got into Forbes Business School uh, with the course on that. And so um, I read know, about that. Reading's good, man. It's good to read because, you know, I, uh, you're, too, you're talking about the coaching thing. People say, well, that's too much. I can't afford that. Well, then you're selling yourself short because if you don't invest in yourself. You're never going to get better than what you are today. And so uh, people miss that. I hate that all the time. Well, that's too much. Sometimes I can't afford things. Sometimes I get a quote from one of my brothers and I'm like, hey, brother, uh, you know, next quarter, you got to wait till next quarter and I tap into that budget. 
but it's not because I don't want to invest in myself. You know, I, I invest in myself every chance I get. And, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Cause if you're not growing, you're, you're shrinking, right? We're contracting. That's what happens in life. And realistically, those that are in your, your teens to twenties, you think, you know, everything by your thirties, you realize, you know, nothing. Right. And then we start, that's where we're like, man, we've got to, and some people are in their 50s, 60s and still think they, they know everything, but you know, um, it, hard to have it style. What do they say? Uh, old habits die hard. There you go. Um, but some people just don't realize the power and growth in yourself because life will not change around you until you do. You can continue living the same lifestyle, asking yourself why I can't have this or, you know, why me? And you're asking the wrong freaking questions. It's why not me, right? We need these challenges. We need those problems. I needed to go through the financial struggles to get me to where I am today. I needed to go through that problem with my wife of and, and children, me not showing up so I can understand how impactful it is to not show up so I can show up, right? So that's the, the power of honest awareness and, and the growth. But I'm not saying if you're in your 20s, you just can't have a growth mindset. No, but that's the generalized time frames. You think you're out and about, you're more concerned about the daily living and party and then having the experiences. And then later on, you're like, man, you know, what could I have done? And let me learn this stuff. So I like this comment that Joe put up. If we don't invest in ourselves, why would someone else? And, uh, yeah, one definitely. Of the, one of the most Joe has been here this whole show, man. I like him. <laughs> I know. Uh, one of the most profound things that one of my mentors told me, uh, J.K. Mitten, he's a uh, submarine lieutenant command. He was a captain of the boat. He was a submarine captain, and um, he um, he was he's also he was the teaching pastor at our church. And he uh, one of the most profound things he told me was Jr. He says when I stop learning. When I stop trying to educate myself, when when I stop like, okay, I'm done. I'm not gonna. I don't care to learn anything else. I don't need to learn anything else. That's when God stops having purpose for me, and I die. Whether that's physically or spiritually or you know emotionally, whatever that looks like, you know, I don't know what it looks like because I haven't got there yet. But that was so profound that if if we decide that. I don't, I don't need to learn anything else. I'm, I'm good. Uh, we're going to stop living at that point. And I, and, and when I say living, I don't mean it could mean physically. I mean, you could literally shrivel up and die, but you know, more than likely, you know, it can destroy your family. It can destroy your relationships. You know, it can definitely, it may not destroy you, but you know, if your idea of joy is going to a job that you hate Monday through Friday, you know, and grinding the stone, like they, like they say, putting your nose to the grindstone, uh, then, then that's, that's, you know, I mean, if, if you're okay with that, you know, but if, if, if you just, we just keep trying to better ourselves and improve ourselves, um, that's how we get ahead. That's how we improve ourselves. And that's how we make it to where we can make an impact on somebody else's life, you know? And so you, you definitely hit a great point. Um, you talked about purpose, right? A lot of times I, I've seen it time and time again, a lot of close soldiers of mine 
go and commit suicide because they lose that forward thinking of purpose. What is their purpose in life? They don't have a purpose, so they start questioning life. Why me? Why should I be here right now? I'm not doing this and I'm not helping this. Or, you know, we start asking those wrong questions where we need to refocus into those purpose. What is the purpose? Maybe you're going through that right now so you can help somebody else out. Right. So we have to really hone in on those purposes. And I see you talked about, you know, kind of shriveling up. There was a book by, I think it was Dr. Joe Dispenza. And I can't remember which one because I've gone through most of his, but uh, he's, he's had the book of the placebo effect or uh, not placebo effect. Uh, You are the placebo. Um, Man, I can't think of it. He has like three or four books out there. And he talked about, one of these studies where individuals can actually be in their fifties and sixties and be out doing people in their twenties because they're putting forth the effort to grow themselves physically and mentally. And those that stop using their body and their mind, it ends up um, just going away. Your body starts putting energy in other poor parts of the things that you are using. So when we stop using our body, we stop using our mind. That's where we start getting the clouded visions. That's why our body decays away, you know, our muscles. And um, another great book, I wish I had the title on me. Um, I can't think of it, but it it was a great example. He talked about it and he talked about this uh, case study where these people were out doing these 20-year-olds. He also talked about people that were um, the power of the mind. And I'm sorry, I don't know how long we're going here, but... He talked about the study where he took people with Alzheimer's, you know, people that were forgetting a lot of things, and they put this room, this entire office or whatever, dance floor or something, and had magazines from like the 60s and 50s or whatever the time frame was, and made it look as if it was in that time frame. And they played the music of the stuff in that time frame. And these people started acting younger. Right, they were came in walking with canes, and they were walking out without them. And you know, he's talking about the power of the mind, and you know, getting into these states of mind when you were younger. Um, and you know, they're able to sing these songs. You can look it up. People with Alzheimer's are able to recall these songs. Why? And I, I'll tell you, there's a couple different reasons, but the main reason is uh, what creates a memory. And I, I, I know I'm going on crazy tangents here, random places but uh, we have to have an event right we have to have something happen then we have to have an emotion as soon as we attach an emotion to it that's when our our brain is saying hey it's important and it's then being downloaded right um i talked about the negative things that happen in people's lives and they can't ever get out of it then they by these emotions and these events the brain is now looking for more of those events and emotions to match what they're doing that's why, like, if you go to buy a red car, it's called the reticular activating system inside your, your mindset. But um, if you go to buy this red Ferrari and you never saw a red Ferrari before, now you see them all over the place. That's your reticular activating system activating because now your body, your mind feels that it's important for you to keep a lookout for it. The same thing goes with all these other events, these negative events that are happening in your life. It's because you're constantly focusing on them. And until you start living a life of gratitude and these other things, I'm sorry, I'm trying to keep it short because like I said, I don't know how long we are here, but um, that's why the power of journaling and gratitude and all these other things are so important to 
really create the mindset, the habit, and the positive effects. So what we do right now by starting that, you might not see an effect right away. But by through the constant habits and continually doing that, you're therefore not using a Band-Aid. You're fixing the core problem, which is what we're focusing on. So I'll leave it at that and let you kind of do what you need to. <laughs> oh, man. Anything, anything that you'd like to share uh, as we close out the show? Um, just a lot about what we talked about is just it, it comes down to you. Um, you as a listener, as a viewer, whatever, um, it comes down to what you want to focus on, what you want out of life. Those that are constantly feeling lost, it's because you, you have a lack of focus, you have a lack of purpose. Um, and it just comes down to a lot of times just refocusing. What do you want out of something? Understanding where you're at, having those goals and those visions you see on the ticker, uh, not yet, but, uh, one of the things is the goal, uh, forging life intention setters right part of that group is to be able to focus on what you want out of life every 90 days that's why enrollment is open right now it's july 1st through the 15th and then i cut it off because we're going quarterly to help the people out to refocus into their life if they want to focus on making something better in in their family or the business or the finances or relation whatever um that's why i have that there is to help people focus on what's important to you. And if you have those struggles, you know, you don't have to come to me, reach out to these numerous other people that are out there waiting to help you out. Hey, I give more free stuff away than I do paid stuff. And that's just because of the heart of the person I am. Um, so you don't have to do it alone. We're here and that's pretty much it, man. Um, you can feel free to look me up, send me a message or anything else. I'm always trying to help out. So, and, oh, the community, I do got to give a shout out to the vetpreneur community. Um, as you can see my logo that was done by Kennedy page. I had him on the, the podcast, um, first podcast he's ever done, I, you know, kind of got him out there and now he's out on Richard Kaufman's Richard Kaufman. I had him on my podcast. I was the very first podcast that he shared his message to the world about and you know to see where he's at today is just amazing um i've had numerous people uh, adam croner uh who is uh with carbless he's the ceo of carbless he's out there doing great things had him on the podcast so I, literally it's just amazing community that's out there ready to serve and help each other and I, like I said, even with what you do, I love what you do and your mission too. So anything I can do to be of help, that's what I'm here for. Well, I hope that five years from now that we really are bigger than Black Rifle. And uh, you can look back and say, man, I had that dude on my podcast, you know, and he hasn't changed. And I hope that's what it, I hope that's what your message is. Man, that dude is the same guy he was uh, when he was, you know, scratching pennies out of a dollar. So. It, you will, because as long as you have a focus, you have that target to be able to go and achieve. Like I said, that 10 X rule, yeah. when we don't have something to go out and try to achieve every day, then we're, we're shooting blindly, you know, yeah. as military, you always hear it. You know, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Yeah. And, and that's part of it, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's poor performance. <laughs> I really enjoyed having you. You have so much to offer. 
if you're listening, I just put the foraginglife.org backslash intention setters uh, website in the actual comments. Um, and then uh, you can go to my site and you'll find, you know, the episodes. You can go to uh, YouTube or or you can go to Third Day Coffee Seguin Facebook page or the God Country Coffee page. Uh, and you can you can look this back up and you can pick up uh, Trey's uh, social uh, media addresses and websites and things and uh, and reach out. You know, if you're struggling in life, uh, reach out and let Trey show you how to forge it. All right. So, uh, brother, thank you so much again. I'm going to put you in the green room for a second. I'm going to close it out and I'll be right back. Perfect. Thanks, my friend. Thank you. There you have it, folks. God Country Coffee, episode 31. Can you believe it? 31 weeks in a row. Uh, that's amazing. Uh, God bless all of you for all the support uh, you've given us and all the people, the great people that have come on the show. Uh, we've just been very blessed with awesome people that have great stories. Uh, we're trying to get some really big heavy hitters uh, for next month and the following so that we can uh, compete in the veteran podcast awards uh and so uh we've got some uh you know i had will willis from forged in fire for history channels forged in fire on the show before uh and we're trying to get some people even bigger than that so anyway stay tuned we'll see what happens um catch us monday for the daily brew i think we're going to change it to 1500 we're going to start doing it at 1500 because it's just really hard for me to do at 1800 uh, but we're going to start doing it at either noon or 1500. I'll let you know over the weekend. Catch us on that and catch us next Friday when we have another incredible guest uh, for um, God Country Coffee. It'll be at 1900 next Friday, just like it is today. Until then, treat each other the way God intended us to treat one another with love, kindness, and respect. God bless you. <laughs>